Welcome to the latest edition of Loaded Balls, and as the lockdown series interview continues, um, obviously Dan got promoted there, so um, we were going to have a big parade about uh, the games and, and what's happening, but unfortunately there's no games, but Dan are promoted into Division 2, so well done, man. But I am absolutely delighted to have uh, the Bielsa of uh, Gaelic football with me. Um, Colm Nally. Colm, very excited to have you on. Um, I've read your two books now and thanks very much for, for the present, by the way. It was great, great reading. Um, how is things and how, you know, you're with me now at the minute, uh, using stage level five, is it? Lockdown as well. So how, 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 is, how is finding it? Well, um, thanks a million um, for having me on, um, John. It's, uh, I'm delighted to... Um, um, to get the opportunity to have a chat with you. Um, yeah, look, things are good. We're, we're back training. We're back training officially since the 14th of September. Um, it's a bit airy, to be honest with you. Um, we were, um, we've had a few incidences um, where people have been in close contact and had to um, step down. We have a tremendous backroom team, but um, one night we were training there, I think it was two, two Thursday nights ago, and the doctor dressed us and explained why certain people weren't um, at training for tonight. And there's just an awful edge to it, really. Um, none of us experienced it. We were short, we were ratty with each other. Um, there was just this sort of, um, nobody knew what was happening. You know, there was a lot of stuff up in the air and uh, a lot of questions unanswered, you know. So, um, you know, you have to face with that all the time. That's certainly new. And when the, um, the latest restrictions were, were brought in and um, we got to go ahead, the GA elite, adult football got to go ahead senior championship that was sort of a relief to everybody you kind of had a pathway then and it was like look let's just get on with it now but um i, I that night really kind of taught us all a lesson that um how vulnerable the whole thing could be you know you could be ruled out tomorrow for whatever reasons and things like that so we just decided look we'll take it one night at a time and we'll enjoy it but you know we definitely learned a lesson that day that it's you know we're probably lucky to have it and um, we're still kind of a little bit tiptoeing around it some guys are kind of they're getting their head around it now but beforehand they were kind of we didn't know what was happening where we were going and over over the lockdown then the first lockdown um come read that you know you done uh, personalized um programs for 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 fellas as well how important was that to keep the supposed morale and, and fitness levels up as well well see um, a, bit, a bit of background to that, John. Right? So, like, I mean, I said, my, my, my day job is I work for the Department of Foreign Affairs, and um, when the, the lockdowns were coming in, there was a sense that um, this wasn't going to last forever, right? Now, um, every person you met in the street had a different opinion on it, but I sort of felt, and um, with the management crew and me, we all kind of felt that, yeah, we were going to have some sort of season. So, we thought it was important to keep some sort of touch with them. So, with the strength and conditioning, the coaches, and things like that, and um, what we did is we asked the players to send us. Um, 
so, so videos of the space that they have to work with. So we got videos of back gardens and um, roadways in front of the houses, fields at the back, stuff like that. So we sort of designed individual programs for them. Like for instance, we would do some sort of ball juggling and um, some skill set work. And they had body weight exercises and all that to do. So we kept in touch with them. We had some great um, experiences. Some lads had um, brothers and sisters locked up with them. So they had partner training partners. Others had nobody, you know, they just had walls and trees and things like that. So we had a great time with that. But um, we, would, we would kind of, get together every um 10 days via zoom or whatever and we'd share stories and experiences and that and, we, and we'd review certain matches and things like that and again it wasn't pushed on anybody it was optional because we didn't want to be kind of going down to um them to do anything but what we felt was players loved to reach out they loved that engagement it became kind of new like a highlight of their um, of the week was logging on and um it was, it was very light it was it was very you know off the cuff there was no structure to it really but um we felt like it was a good level of engagement and uh, we remained tangible like we were touching each other and feeling like how, how the vibe was like we were kind of taking the temperature of the group it, for want of a better description and i think that helped because like now since then since we got back together you know we, we, we sometimes tell the stories about the long hair fellas had and this that and the beards <laughs> and stuff like that you know so it just added to a bit of crack but i, I think it was important no yes definitely and you know how did you find division one column this year um, the standard of, of football. I know he's um, playing Dublin last week, and he's going to give a good account of yourselves. But overall, how do you find Division One football now in the All Ireland series? Uh, look, it was brilliant, right? Um, it was really, really a great experience for us all. And um, believe it or not, right? I'm I, I'm not trying to be a holistic or um, sort of woolly about the whole thing, but um, like. We we really targeted performances, right? We we knew the results were going to be you know hard to come by. Yeah, we you know we 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 wanted them as much as possible. But we always said, listen, if we can get a level of performance against these teams, and we can kind of get the graph going upwards, you know, we can see this progression, right? So, you know, we, we went into it, and um, our biggest defeat was um, by Donegal. But after that, Dublin battles for four points, and Galway won Mayo two. You know, so we were competing with them for for um. A, a lot and we learned so much from it but even as a management group we learned watching how the um, sort of top teams operate now we were very lucky to get um three super eight matches um last year as well so you could really kind of see them at championship pace in august which is very very hard to come by so you know we were, we were just kind of um immersing ourselves in that learning and trying to get as much as we can out of it and again look, look Mead, Mead are, are, are a big county they're a proud football county and they want to be up there with the big boys but they know that it's going to take time so you know like that's that's pocketed now that experience so we have to kind of push on from that but it was fantastic to see you know how they operate and and, and we got an awful lot from it first class and I suppose um you know you're coming as a coach then in the Mead how does a Dublin man then be received by uh, the Meath faithful then? <laughs> well, even the, to, to make matters worse, I actually, um, I live in Loud and I played for Loud. So um, coming from Dublin, when I went into the Meath camp first, there's a good joke going around that I, I, I'd asked them, where would they prefer I perform, Loud or Dublin, you know? <laughs> and they said, neither, to be honest with you. But look, I, I, I think, um, like, it, it was very big of um, 
like you know the group comes first right and, and Andy Andy's a really good progressive manager and he just thought he wanted to progress the thing a little bit fresh voice and stuff like that and I was honored to be asked because as a coach like I mean like I've coached loud and I've been involved in um, various club teams and, and my own club I've been coaching in my own club Newtown Blues now for over 20 years and, and I'll always do that I was um, seven, under sevens coach, goalkeeper coaches, seniors coach, the senior girl, and you know that's what you do with your clubs. But for you to learn as a coach, there's not a lot of opportunities out there unless you you move around. So for me to get that opportunity to go in and work with um, Andy McEntee and like all his background team are all Ireland winners: Phil O'Mortar, Jerry M. Um, Cooney, Donald Curtis, right, Niall Ronan, um, ex-Irish international. Um, you know, rugby player. Like, so it's great to, to, for me to get to work with these guys. So I jumped at it, um, you know, with the opportunity of learning off these guys. And plus, the players there put different demands on you, you know, because they've higher expectations, you know, they've quite high expectations of themselves. So they, they put demands on you. you now, they put demands on themselves first, but they put demands on you to, um, you know, keep the, the, the training um, cutting edge modern tactics, all that sort of stuff. So it was a great opportunity for me. And I've loved every minute of it so far. Brilliant. Come on. I suppose, you know, whenever a coach then, I've also like always thought, you know, you have different players for different positions. Do you think that coaching then there's there's different attributes that a coach, you know, say an attacking coach or is it more, you know, first team coach and that's it? Well, um, it's a good question, John, right? And I, I've often thought of this a lot, right? And I think specifically, like for, for GA, right? So we would look a lot at um, things like rugby, soccer, Aussie rules, things like that, right? And we look at, we look at a lot of them things. Now, but we're very unique to ourselves because like we are an amateur organization, I, I say, you know, there's a lot of professional experience coming in in S&C and things like that. But I think there's sort of two styles of coaches in, in the GA. And that's one that improves you individually as a footballer and that's one that improves you as a team and I think they're two very different things so I think that um, sort of coaches within clubs right younger um, coaching younger teams they're really you know responsible for coaching the player um, and improving their skills individually and whatever but then as you get into county football and even club senior football or you know top club, club football um, an awful lot of it's about systems an awful lot about is about um, systems of play and styles of plays and things like that. But if them players don't have the sort of basic skills, it doesn't matter what system you bring into the to the game, you know. So I, I do think that some some coaches might be sort of, um, you know, they they might have a, their strengths might lie on developing the player, mm -hmm. and then there's definitely coaches that their strengths lie and developing team and team tactics and things like that, you know. So um, it's very hard to marry them all, you know. But um, you know, look, I mean, um, you know. Like I've experienced them all, and that, that's one of the advice that I always give to other coaches. And that is, coach at every level, coach at them, um, no matter. Never turn down an opportunity to coach, be it another sevens team, um, another tens team, a girls team, um, anything, um, even um, um, football for mothers. You know, all that that's popping in. I, I, I coach anything because you always learn out of that. You know, you always get something from it, and, and you find what your strengths are then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, how did you then start off? Did you always think that? Um, you know, the, the, the skills based coaching was was for you or did you always find that you enjoyed the tactics more and setting up teams you know to play a certain way well what what I did do right is um I I could never understand um why you would do any sort of training without the football right like when when I started off when I, I played I played in in O'Dwyer's and Balbriggan that was my home club I left them when I got married and moved to Drada 
Um, I was always goalkeeper, but um, I could never figure out why we, we spent time running around the field and doing laps, right? Uh, touching left hand, touching right hand, jump. I could never understand this, right? Um, I, know, I know the need for it, but I could never understand why we couldn't do that stuff with the football. So from a very early stage, right, I used to take notes at training sessions and I used to badger the coaches, can I do the warm-up? of the team and I'd always be wanting to do the warm-up even when I was only young 19 or 20 I'd want to warm the team up and I'd always be trying to you know, integrate the ball into it you know and it was all I'd always got that interest from a, from a young um from a young age so I think really like um I've progressed like I'd be a completely different coach now than I was when I started out um, and I wanted the fanciest drills and games right but there was no real substance to it like I was only doing it really for show I wasn't really doing it for right to get something out of it you know where now um I'd be kind of I'd be the opposite now I'd be looking and the passages of plays and games it could be any game on, that I'd see in the TV and things like that and say right is there a tactic behind that try to break down what they're doing and then try and come up with a game or an exercises you know to coach it or to coach um, it's it, to stop it not happening against you do you know what I mean like yeah, so yeah. one of the things we do now you, you'd be watching what sort of tactics like like say Monaghan might play and say right we try to create that in training right lads this is what you may face on Sunday you know and they don't always get that right mm-hmm. but what it does is right it gets players thinking, you know, and, and they're ready to expect something, you know, and, and what we're trying to do really is we're trying to get them self, to self-solve, that they solve the problems on the spot. But if we throw different things at them at training, you know, you're preparing them for what teams throw at them in match. You know, now you mightn't have exactly what they're going to throw at them, but you've, you've, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're hopefully arming them with problem-solving um, abilities, you know. Hopefully Conor Lavery doesn't watch this episode, Colin, then before, <laughs> before next week. <laughs> I, I kind of be one of the best out there, so I'm sure he has a few tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> the coaching and then with um, underage and you know going to seniors and then inter county, you know how difficult was it to make the transition for yourself? Well, as I said, yeah, like I mean, like I, I got I got opportunities years and years ago to go into county, uh, and I didn't go in because I never felt I was ready for it. Because um, like um, like one of my early um, forays into coaching was with with Loud on the twenty ones when when I was still playing and sort of that kind of gave me a little bit of a taster. But then I realised I wasn't ready to coach um, at that level at inter county level. So I needed to go and sort of do more hours if you if you understand yeah. with um, different groups and that you know. So um, I'd always, as I said, be with my own club. Like I mean, I, I've like I've been coaching them. I'm still involved with the coaching as a seniors now at the minute, but. Um, it was really when my friend Colin Kelly got into Loud um, and Colin asked me to go in with him. First I went in as goalkeeping coach and then I went in with him um, after Paddy Crozier, who was he- helping him step down. And we got two promotions with Loud and, and we did really well. We had a great time with them, you know. But at that stage, I was in between managing teams and coaching teams. And then I realised that I prefer the coaching than the management. See, when you're a manager, it doesn't matter if you're a manager of um, any club or a county. You have to manage up and down. Right, and I, I kind of figured up that I, I don't really like that. I don't really like like myself and Colin would be going out to train and Lou, and Colin would get a tap on the shoulder, and he'd have to go in and talk to the board, and I wouldn't see him down for the rest of the match, or uh, for the rest of the session. And I didn't like that end. But I just love being out on the pitch. I don't like um, talking to um, committees and stuff like that. I, I don't. I'm not interested. I'm only interested in the players and that. So I learned then that look, but I, I feel too that right. It's 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 even even at club level now. Right, one man can't do everything. 
you know, it's, it's, it's players have different um, expectations now and they have different sort of demands on you, right? They want you, you, they want the arm around them. They want you to know them as a person, but plus they also want football um, tips and football, um, you know, people to give mm-hmm. them ideas on how they can get better footballers and, and stuff like that. So that's a lot of work. So, I mean, I, I'm quite happy now to just kind of be the, um, what's it, the consigliere, the um, second, <laughs> you know, that's, that suits me, you know, coaching from the shadows. <laughs> But I, I've seen an article as well that you wrote that, you know, you're there to, to as you said, to, to help them with their football and, you know, if they're having problems shooting or anything, then they can come to you. Whereas you're not, uh, you know, you're not really, maybe not interested, but this is the wrong word, but like their, their problems or anything they got there, like it's just football with you and that's, and that's it. You know, how do yeah. you build the trust then? Like, you know, that's the team. Well, look, you know yourself, you, you have all them buzzwords. Like, I mean, if you affect the person, you affect the performance, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, the way you as a coach treat players, right, is, is what they respond in the match. So I think there's room, like, I, I do believe, um, like, people say that you shouldn't get close to teams and that you shouldn't be friends with teams. I, I, I don't believe that. I believe, like, I've made lots of friends in all the clubs and the counties I've, I've coached with, and I, I'd be still in touch with, with them. Because I think... If you are genuinely interested in their game, you're genuinely interested in them, mm-hmm. and they see that. Like this is a part of their life. Like, okay, so they're entrusting you. They're t- saying things to you, like things like, you know, I can't kick my left foot or I can't hand pass my left hand. So they're kind of um, sort of, you know, they're opening up to you. So they're telling you what's important to them. So there is a trust there. So again, by you sort of trying to come up with some bespoke exercises or activities to improve them, right, mm-hmm. is, um, is is really helpful to them, and that's how you build trust with them. And then what? what you find is they open up with a lot more then, you know, like, you know, there's fellas coming to you, right? I, I sometimes, um, one or two lads will come to you and you'd be saying, I hope he's not coming to ask me about his game because I think he's brilliant, right? You know, and, you know, and he might come to you and say, oh, I'm not I'm not comfortable catching this high ball, you know, and you're saying, geez, well, I think you're very good. Like, and, um, how can I help him here, you know? But, um, so, uh, look, th- that's a good sign too, you know? So, I mean, like, th- th- there's kind of, that's established, right? And, and fellas know then, like, I still even, like, I have players from, believe it or not, like from, like I, I have nothing to do with Loud, let's say, or even a few clubs in Dublin, and I still have players contacting me and ask me um, any chance to meet up for a one-on-one session, or would you be, have any ideas on how I can get this and that, you know? And I love that, and I'd only be too um, willing to help if I could, you know. But sometimes it's just really they're reaching out for sort of look. We all have our belly rubbed, you know, and they're just looking, <laughs> reaching out for you to rub their belly, you know. So you know, it's it's trying to gauge that, but it's nice that they still that they still think they can call on, on, on you for advice, you know? Definitely. Where do you think the, the, the coaching is then, GA coaching as a whole, Colin? Um, do you know, where do you think it's, is it still in its infancy? Do you know, um, or has it, do you know, is it still like Donny Buckley, yourself, uh, Kieran Dele, do you know, the same names that are, that are coming through? Do you know, how yeah. do we get then more better coaches coming through then as well? Well, um, I do think that I, I do think that we're on the verge or, or, or on the tip of something big because I think there's some great coaches out there. Like I was actually talking to to, to Donny today, and what I find really like is, um, I'm not saying that I've been pioneering it, but like I have a background in coach education, but um, I, I'm a big believer in sharing information because I think 
if you share your information, what happens is, right, is um, people open up to you and they share stuff back with you. And then before you know it, you're, you're talking to like-minded people about coaching and about ideas. And, and that's where you get a lot of ideas. Now, I would mostly share what I did, not what I do, if you get me. So because yeah. you're, you're constantly learning. And by sharing, right, that encourages you to go and keep sourcing new stuff. Now, basically what you're sourcing is you're like, there's only so many skills in the game. There's only so many tactics in the game. You're just um, sourcing new ways of doing it and new ways of, um, you know, doing repetition, really. But what I feel is there's a lot of good coaches out there now. I think the level of coaching has gone through the roof. You look at your own county there with Paddy Talley now. We played them recently and, and Paddy has a good um, crew of coaches around them. Um, you can definitely see the footballer trying to play. You, you, you only have to look at um, what's happening in Donegal with two good coaches there and Stephen Roachford right, and Declan Bonner. And then you've Carl Lacey there. So you've got really what's happening is you've got a lot of minds now involved. And that's new, right? Before it was only one or two people that's saying it. Now like people are taking on board. But um, you've a lot of young coaches coming too that probably wouldn't have a high profile in the game, which is fine because what these guys do is um, these do more research and these put more hours in actually learning about the game. Um, I done a podcast recently with um, oh um, um there was I, I was involved with um Sarah Buffin from um, the Wexford Horrors mm-hmm. and Stephen Rice from Irish Soccer and what what the whole feeling was that like there was no real tactical coaching being done in Gaelic football so it was lovely to be part of that to hear um, the tactics that's going on in hurling and then be able to share a few that's going on in football so that's a definite um sort of change now where people are coaching more and more tactics and they're doing that in various ways like through walkthroughs through sort of um game sense scenarios like for instance we, we spend a lot of time working on restarts like and um, like um tactical restarts so you're talking about sideline balls like where we work where we robbed where i personally robbed from thomas Gronjak, the liverpool throw-in coach where he works on fast um, long and clever throw-ins so I mean if you put that into sideline balls right and if you can work on you taking a sideline ball and you should have three options a long one a fast one or a clever one right you know it gets players thinking differently right and it gets players different thinking how to deliver a ball how to run for a ball how to make off and 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 you could have up to four or five um, restarts like that in a match you know, that could lead to either you not conceding the point or getting out of jail or getting the score. Then your free kicks around the end when the ball stopped. Like, they're all restarts. Like, so that's tactical work now. That's thinking differently. Like, I mean, there's not many coaches, or, you know, years ago that were coaching them. Now you see a lot of teams are working and stuff like that. No, uh, I was talking to the manager that, that's over my team as well. And we were saying, if you can get five, guaranteed five scores from five, like, as you said, sideline balls, you know that's five points already, and it takes six to beat it. So, like, it, it makes sense then to have a, a, you know that into your game plan as well. And you know when um, with, with GA then, Carl, like, how do you find that the tactics is evolving? You know, as you said, they're the, the you know Liverpool are up another level. Like they're they're doing the, the um, throw in mm-hmm. coaching up there as well. Gaelic football now, what level is it up? Uh, yeah, very, very um, well up there, right? and and every team like this year is going to be a little bit interesting, right? Because um, right, you have a lot of time to embed a lot of um, new tactics, so you're going to see a lot of tactics that probably were used over the latter few years. But I, I put it to you this way: like we'd have this conversation um, regular enough about sweepers. When's the last time you've seen a ball kicked into a sweeper? Mm-hmm. 
right? Like like teams are fairly aware now of what teams are playing sweepers and they will not kick a ball into them. Well, very seldom they do, you know? Um, like, so um, you can see that that's tactically, like normally, right, what you'd have is you'd have teams coaching where um, a sweeper should go. And now you have teams um, coaching that be aware that these guys play a sweeper. So they'd be working on scenarios where they don't kick a ball into them, where they would approach that differently, you know, where they'd run it, stuff like that. So tactics is very much to the fore now in... Um, in um in Gaelic football. If you looked at Jamie Brennan's point for Donegal against Tyrone on, on Sunday last there, you could see um, um it broke from there. Um I think I don't know if the goalkeeper broke it or whatever, but it was certainly deeper into Donegal defence when they broke and Ryan McHugh ran three quarters out of um pitch at full pace without touching the ball. Right. And that run took three players out of it to free up space for, for Jamie Brennan on the end. Now, that's a tactic. Right, and that's a tactic to get, to have that blind run. And when you see a fella like him running at you, it's going to spook defence, and two or three fellas, you know, would step out of line to create space for others. So I mean, that level of coaching is really, really good, you know. So you know, that's very, very much to the fore in that. With um, just as an aspect, just as you said there about the coaching and, and tactics and that walkthroughs, um, you know, it's it's a bugbear of many players walkthroughs is that because they're not used to it and you know say that you're only using the the starting 15 how do you engage then the others yeah well that's difficult to, mm -hmm. to do right so for instance you you and um, most teams would have kick out strategies as such so mm -hmm. it's very very important that everybody knows the kick out strategies right and it's, it's it'd, it'd be a sort of pet hate of mine as well when you have um say you have eight v eight or, or ten v ten for kickouts, walking up to a half forward line, and you you'd stand out a few fellas. They they start chatting and they don't pay attention, you know. So again, years ago I, I read about um, you know um Joe Smith and he, him walking around the hotel room and he'd meet um at a hotel he'd stay in and he he could meet toward the fourth reserve and say, what happens when we do this and what happens when we do that, and constantly question them. So I kind of try to do a little bit of that myself with the guys, right? But in terms of um we, we talked earlier on about talking about periodization and and stuff like tactical periodization is massive in um in all sports now and it's 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 ideal for for gaelic football but if you take um what we're facing here at the moment is like we had a match last week we've a match this week so we have a seven or eight day turnaround and if you break that down to hours you know they need x amount of hours to recover before you can mm -hmm. go in full tilt so the most we'll get in this week is one good hard session. And in that, you want to get a little bit of um, competitiveness into it. You want to get a little bit of prep work. You want to get a little bit of revision work. So that leaves you another night or two. But right now, we're only got one night under the restrictions. So that's when you'd build in them walkthroughs because you're only going to, your RPE for that session is only going to be around five or six. Mm -hmm. So that'll allow you. Um, so a simple message will, believe it or not, saying to the fellas, wear your um your your skins wear your tracks of bottoms okay your rain jackets because there will be a little bit of standing around here so we would arm the boys with that and we would kind of force it we would let them know in advance you know you would send them um a diagram or you would send them um information of the various kicks and setups that we're working on tonight so they're well aware so it's in their mind when they go down that there's going to be an element of this you know and and that's that's what you do in between games so i mean if you plan your season out you can only like what we'd always do is we'd always go from the first championship match back because the rest you, you, you know you, you're, you're kind of it's knockout football then you're really if you get me so you'll know what sessions you have you'll know what matches you have so you'll know when you can plan in them sort of um, RPE sessions of five or six where you'll do walkthroughs and things like that plus you know you have to be constantly send them videos and um, John and you have to be sending them the, um, the messages of the, um, the, the strategies and the plans you know that yeah. they're always there
Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, we can't, just as right, RP either. You know, in, in the book, I, c- I couldn't believe the size of it. I thought I was getting a wee handbook, but, you know, this year yeah, came yeah. in the books. First class, you know, the, the coaching games-based training sessions for Gaelic football. And it's RPE as well. And it, could you just, you know, give us some details about the book? It's it's absolutely fascinating. And, and I can't uh, stress enough, anybody who's interested in coaching is going to be a coach or who is a coach should get the book because... Um, you know, that's that's your your sessions <laughs> done for for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Um, RPE then, and you know, it's just something that's uh, that's new um, for many. See, what 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 it, it, again? The RPE is is a received perceived effort, really, right? It's the perceived effort of it's feedback from players, right? So basically, what 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 we've been doing over years is um, like most most training sessions that I would do particularly my end of it, might have four activities in them. So um, on, on, on a kind of a full night session, you'd be doing four different activities. So I'd get the players to rate them, okay, um, in terms of effort, how hard did they, from one to 10, one being the easiest, 10 being the hardest. So what we do is we get a general summary, and I've done that over time. So all them activities now are kind of have been rated by sort of club players and um, adult um, inter-county players. And basically what it's what they they're telling is they found that exercise seven out of ten. So what why that how that comes into play then is I can talk to the SNC coach, and which is very, very important now, the medical team. Mm-hmm. And the medical team are, are are putting players back into training after um, um sort of a layout, they would say to me, Colin, um, sit him out of or anything that's an RP above seven. Do you know, so for instance, you're coming back after a hamstring, right? And he, they, they, the physios has a look at the session. They'll say, right, um, sit John out of um, the third activity there mm-hmm. because it might be a bit hard on him coming back, you know? So that's that's why that's very valuable. Plus, like, as I said to you, we're playing this weekend. So um, Noel would say to me, Colin, don't have the session any more than six, you know, uh, on Friday night or mm-hmm. Sunday or Thursday night. And, and that's perfect. And that's all he needs to say. And that's us communicating and working together to make sure that the players are at their the best. You know, now the players too, like um, after a while, like, again, they would be familiar with a lot of these activities. So they know now what's coming. So mm-hmm. when, when, when they see the training session in advance, they'd be saying, right, we know like, this one's going to be what, what, he's, what he's expecting here and what yeah. we're expecting there. You know? <laughs> so it's just a good way of measuring, measuring it really, you know. And do you know something? It's not as difficult as people think because, you know, you only need it, it, like four activities them, them sending you a WhatsApp saying um, activity one six blah 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 and that you know and then it's very easy to collate that information yeah. you know um the, the book what was the inspiration for it and who, who are you aiming it for exactly well um see that that's the second one i i, I don't want um but two years ago right it was just mm. game space and um, um um activities for for gaelic football and i tell you as it came from really when i was um i did do um some children for loud and dublin and Leinster and stuff like that. And I, I do um, sort of workshops because I enjoy, I, enjoy, I enjoy the interaction of the workshops and I enjoy it because I learn from them as well. But what happens is um, people are always saying to me, that's a great idea, that's a great idea. Um, where would I get them, you know? So I'd always record everything. And, and, and um, as a bit of a hobby, I'd be kind of, just, I started tweeting a few of them out, you know? Now, again, my age group, I, I'm not um, a really social media um, savvy, but so I was a bit nervous doing that sort of stuff with getting myself out of the comfort zone, but I got great feedback from it. And people were saying, that's a good idea. And would you try it this way? And would you try that? And people started sending me games. Mm-hmm. So I just put them all together and I put the first book out and the first book sold 3000 copies. Now it's totally self-published and I'm using a local printer and a local, um, graphic designer and it was just 
that we were the first one sold for 10 euro like you're not making any money in it you're just covering costs so then i decided i said you know what be nice to put some of these together and train in sessions and see how one links into the other like there's one or two of them sessions where um, the end goal comes after three different activities so you're kind of like every training session depending on who what type of coach you are but i believe certain training sessions have to have sort of a learning phase so your learning phase will be sort of your unimposed or semi-opposed um, pressure on your activities and you're building that up to, to get the learning points that they progress and they put them into a game so a lot of the sessions are built like that, where they build from one to the other to the other. So um, the idea just came to put them in a training session sort of format. So they're, they're totally new activities than what was in the last one. But um, it's aimed for mostly, I would say in fairness, it's aimed for about, I say, anyone that's coaching from about 13s onwards. Mm -hmm. So the youth and adult strand, it's definitely. Now, uh, I've got some great feedback in terms of like a lot of clubs like Ballyboden, Ratote, a lot of big clubs there have bought um, the books for all their coaches, yeah. you know, which is a brilliant endorsement to get. And I, I think to myself, like, like you think about it, this always amazed me, right? If, if, if somebody um, asked you to do a session in a club to throw you 50 euros or something where you'd value a book much better mm -hmm. if some of them gave you a book or something like that and say, here you go, we value your time and effort. This might assist you in helping you. So, I mean, things like that, that that's the idea behind the trying to get it out there because there is resources, but they're not really ready, you know, I think we're a bit slow yeah. in the coach education front. The GA, I, I do. I think we should be we should be producing more stuff. Like even even like I I I put together a YouTube channel, right? And um, it's 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 gone very well. Now again, it's you get nothing from it. It's a hobby, but um, and it's individual training, training from teams. Some clips of me training, but you're not giving that in a way. It's only kind of <laughs> <laughs> straight line exercises and things like that. But people like to see stuff you know people are mm -hmm. all visual learners a lot of people yeah. are visual learners and, and we take on information differently so you know the, it's just trying to put more stuff out there do you know what um, as a, it's a hobby really for, for me it's, it's that's all it's not you're not telling anybody this is how you do it this is what you do you're just saying look here's a few ideas and what i really hope is fellas just say look i like what you're doing there but i would do it this way <laughs> yeah you know no, i think i think it's brilliant yeah because you know whenever people are asking me to design a session or anything for them to get there and it's usually underage coaches that are the parents of a player that don't really know that yeah you yeah. know they maybe they played you know 15 20 years ago and it's you know expectations even of of underage footballers now is is immense and it puts it's putting mm. coaches under pressure i think mm. as well well look the best thing i would do there with the likes of them is i just let them play Mm -hmm. Do you know because um like like the, the best feedback you can get from say I always say this in the coaching course if you get down right and if you say to the players here's a ball right I'll be out I'll be out just in five minutes and you stand at the door with another coach and you just say let's see what they'll do they play a game now they might play a game of soccer they might put two um, <laughs> um jumpers down as goalposts and play a game of soccer but the feedback to you is they want to come down there and play mm -hmm. play some sort of games so if you can organize as much games as possible now what I always try to do is um through games like I mean it doesn't have to be structured but you can play any sort of games but if you have a kind of tight games there's going to be a lot of hand passing and and you want to work on foot passing too so you have to kind of make sure watch what's happening is the, is the tackling correctly are they getting a chance to kick the ball you know all that sort of stuff so you can um you know use the step principle to adjust your games uh, and to, to suit all the skills you know but as I said to you I really believe that there needs to be learning phases in training like you know if you're working on putting in a cross field ball you have to do it some way sort of um, unopposed or semi-opposed before you can get it right with, with, a, with a fella hanging out of you you know yeah. so you know that, that that's why I do that's the way I try to coach like I, I would any new skills I try to do it um 
unopposed, semi-opposed and fully opposed and then put different constraints on it like time and extra bodies and things like that into it, you know. Uh, you've mentioned activities there a, a number of times, Come, Is drills now gone out of the, the coaching? Um, <laughs> do they not say coaching yeah. or drills no more? We, we, we have a standard joke in the meeting. Nobody's allowed. Um, anyone that mentions the word drills gets, gets corrected, <laughs> like we'd always say. Like dr- drills are for um, builders and dentists. You know, and like drills just seem to me when when, when we talk about drills, you just see lot big lines, lots of lines. Now, come here, there's nothing wrong with, with that at times, right? Like, for instance, like I mean, I remember we were down training in Photo Island for a long weekend, and we had a couple of killer sessions. And on our last session, and uh, we wanted a low RPE, so what we were doing is we were having the fun shooting exercises where the lads are waiting for ages. Mm-hmm. So, if anyone looked at that on its own they'd say well there's a man talking about no lines and he has a big line there so there is times when 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 there is lines there but i think generally like um you know you you have to get, try to get away from that sort of regimented type of stuff like there's lots of coaches out there that say to me they don't use cones or they don't use whistles and things like that and i said that's fine it's whatever you work for yourself i'd find it very hard to control a group of kids not without cones and whistles mm-hmm. and that but you know they're they're on they're, they're not um they're only guidelines and you know like you know for starting points and things like that you know that sort of stuff trying to recreate snippets of matches you know mm-hmm. and you know like for instance if you're trying to if you're trying to work on sort of slowing um a counter-attack you know you want the counter-attack to start in a certain area you know so what's wrong putting a cone there and saying you're yeah. starting from there you know <laughs> that's just my take you know um just as you say lines there Jim McGuinness came in for a bit of criticism <laughs> recently for his for his being video taking the Galway session, um, straight line run. Now obviously it didn't do them too well against Mayo, but mm. you know there were unfair criticism. Do you think taking a thirty second? Oh yeah, but, yeah. Oh, totally unfair. Like I tell you now again, I could be completely wrong here, but here's my synopsis of that. Right, um, they were wearing white jerseys and maroon jerseys. That was an in-house game. He was down for it, in my opinion. And um, so he was warming, he was part of, the, he was part of um, warming them up. And I know what he was trying to do there. He was trying to get ramp up intensity and talk about, um, I call it, um, I call it the Neil Diamond drill, right? It's all about hands, touching hands. Okay, right. And, and that's what that was, right? He was just kind of reinforcing the importance of your first touch and getting up intensity and things like that. But that was, an in, to my mind, that was an in-house match, right? So um, like, I think fellas are just reading, like, look, Look, this is a thing to John, right? Again, a good friend of mine there, um, Val Andrews, um, a great coach from Dublin, said to me one day, um, Colin, you're very brave, he says, putting that stuff out. And I said, Val, I'm not brave. I said, firemen are brave, right? And things like that. No, he was saying, because you're going to be ridiculed. And, and I do get a lot of ridiculed people say, what do you, what, who do you think you are and stuff like that, right? <laughs> so again, the last thing I'm going to do is say anything like that about, about Jimmy McGuinness. But um, that was my take on it. It was an in-house match. Right, they were warming up. He wanted to make a message um, that your first touch is vital, which it is like you know I've yeah. done things like that myself several times, and you know uh, that's what I reckon. And look, come here, you know we'd all love to hear. I'd love to sit down with, with Jimmy McGinnis, and I'd love to have a chat with him because you know you look players want like like that. That's a bold move um, from Park Joyce bringing him in there, right? Because you know it's good to be vulnerable, right? And you're kind of putting yourself out there saying, you know, lads, listen, I don't know that, right? So I'm trying to get as much knowledge as I can. And if that man can even impart one piece of knowledge that's going to make you better, isn't, isn't that what we want? Mm-hmm. You know, like, we, you got to get ready away from the ego, John. It's about <laughs> the team. It's not about the player. It's not about the management. Like, whatever we can do to make the team better, you know? And come here, like, that was a freak result. We've all, we've all yeah. stood there, right? And one of the things, right, 
that we've been doing a lot of work and I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, um, timeline momentum charts, right? And that's basically when, when you um, when your team loses, the momentum string goes against you, right? Now that could go against you for two or three plays, four plays, five plays, right? It's about spotting that, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the best ways to deal with that is reviewing it afterwards and say, right, here's a spell of five minutes where five or six things didn't go well. And if you can highlight that to the players, they might spot that the last time. Now, I'm sure God, we spotted that against my but by God, like there was a massive momentum shift against them. It was very, very hard to get that back, mm -hmm. you know? And that mm -hmm. just is what happened. You'll see a bounce from them this week, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, come, periodization, you, you mentioned it there about, you know, your, your um, National League and, and now you're getting ready for championship. You know, in the book as well, um, was it much taken in about periodization and you know how do you think it has sort of changed the way you coach now well see i done um i done a degree um years ago in strength and conditioning right but i never wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach mm -hmm. but what i wanted to do was be able to talk to the strength and conditioning coaches and i want i, I didn't want to be baffled by their, their lingo and stuff like that because um there's it, it it's it's fantastic like as we talked about modern coaching but the input that the snc coaches have had in the ga has been amazing okay and it's fantastic and like i mean the, the, the ga players um men and women up and down the country are really really fit now their fitness levels are fantastic so what 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 i would do there like looking at that is um, i'd always work closely to to with these guys right but i think the starting base of of your average club player nowadays is much higher than it was say 10 or 11 years ago like when when a fella came in for pre-season 10 or 11 years ago the first thing you'd do is to get rid of the belly and stuff like that very few of them come back like that now so they're very very fit but but they may not be football fit so what what what, what is massive now in all sports now as i said to mention earlier is tactical periodization and what tactical periodization basically is in a nutshell is is, is you try to condition the team through um activities like football activities and things that are basketball activities or rugby whatever is relevant to your sport now you'd have a percentage so say for instance you start training for an april um league start mm -hmm. and you start training say um in january so say we had a 12 or 16 weeks run into it well at the start you would probably have about 40 percent um sort of um sort of football and 60 percent conditioning now that conditioning can be done with the ball like i mean i i, I always mention to a lot of lads if you want to go for a 20 minute or 30 minute run there's nothing wrong soling the ball from one end of the field to the other sticking it over the bar getting it and soling it back down and do it it's still a 20 minute run but there's a ball in your hand left foot and right foot so that's what i mean by conditioning right with the ball and then as you get closer the percentage changes so obviously when you get the last four weeks up to um, april you probably would have um, 20 percent conditioning and 80 percent kind of football that's the way i'd always do it so i mean again that's based on fellas condition now and majority of fellas as i said to you and, and girls nowadays they're, they're, they're in top nick now you know like mm -hmm. very few of them are coming down for you to get them fit yeah you know <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, more a case of, you know, you're, you're getting, you should be fit to, to play rather than coming to training to get fit, isn't it? You know, that seems to be the, the way. Absolutely, yeah. Have you found, have you found even a... Um, it is, yeah, yeah, very much so. This, with with the pre-season then, Colm, do you run the, pre, the, the, the fitness work as well or is it more the skills-based? Yeah, I, I would do. Um, I, I would always do my my skill based all the time. But in, in my scenario with 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 me now, is the S and C coach would, would like we're we're very lucky now. We have um, 
we've good S and C coach with Niall Rowan and, and Calvin Finnegan, but we we have um we've all the GPS and things like that. So yeah. they would uh, we we've live GPS. So they're so they're conditioning as we go. So they would they would allow me sort of condition the team with them monitoring it. And there's been times there where they'd say, listen, they're able for a bit more. We'll take them on some runs. So they do some mass runs with them at the end or things like that. You know, or there'd be times where he'd quite correctly they'd say to me, would, would there's a lot of long um sprinting at that? Will you cut it down a little? You know, so it works both ways. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy to have that monitor, them monitor me. Or sometimes, listen, we talk too much, right? And the gaps are too big. So, you know, you nearly have to <laughs> rewarm them up after, after going on rabbit. But it's 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 lovely to have that sort of behind you. But like a good SNC coach will allow the team to be conditioned as much as possible through games and through um, activities that mirror what they're going to do when, when they take the field, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But as I said to you, we're lucky that we can, they have a good gauge on where the fitness is. Now, they still have their gym sessions. Um, and again, early season, they could be up to two nights a week, three nights a week in the gym, where now it's maintenance gym work, where they're only in the gyms um, probably one night a week now, you know. And what we try to do now, our gym work, is trying to be functional work, where you would have a lot of kind of more um, sort of box and stuff like that medicine ball work and things like that because that's more functional really to um, for this time of year Main, maintaining their strength and the power yeah yeah the, the way you're talking Colin, it's just the, the um you know it's fascinating even just to see that the you know where gaelic football is at the moment um i know i joked and said bielsa of the ga but for me uh bielsa pep guardiola you know that's where i sort of look to get my inspiration and, and, and i'm a bit obsessive about what what they're doing and, uh, and with their gameplays and their mm. build-ups and that um where have you drawn your um coaching philosophies from then well i i don't um i don't really have philosophies right i i'm, I'm not really um I, I don't really have sort of any coaching philosophies i have a few kind of um sort of beliefs like say like i believe there's certain behaviors and beliefs like that 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 a, that a team must have and i think the first one really is that um it has to be player driven right i like i like to work with groups of players and that that are highly driven uh, and highly um you know into what they're doing now i hold back on saying the word passionate because i don't think i think passion is used wrong i think i think best way i can explain passion is um like I'd love to be able to dance or play the guitar, right? But I can't. And the reason I don't do it is because um, I'd be no good at it. So I have a fear to it. But if I did practice playing the guitar or, or dancing, right, um, I'd practice it more. And then I get more passionate about it. And then it becomes a passion. So the passion comes after it. Mm-hmm. So what, I, what I'm really coming to say is that, um, like, you know, you pick up inspiration from, from, from sort of the groups you're working with. Uh, and they fire you up. So um, if, if they start buying into what you're doing, they sort of become more passionate about what you're doing. And then you become more passionate and the whole thing t- just kind of rises together. You know, so that's what Pep Guardiola and Mar- Marcelo Bielsa do an awful lot of like, um, even though they've a lot of money at their disposal and they buy best players, but they do an awful lot of background work on the character of the person. Mm-hmm. And if the person wants to get better as a, a person and as a footballer, then they have and go for them. 
because you know they can work with them and what happens is they rub off you and you get better so again that i don't know if that's a philosophy or not right so you're buzzing off them and you know you just want to be with players like i i've been in lots of teams young players are fantastic right because all young players they're just like sponges right and and they haven't developed the fear right they haven't made the mistakes that's going to knock them back they just go for it they just keep going for it right so again it's about reinforcing that all the time so i mean that's what that's what, what i like to do and so i kind of draw from the likes of them and, and i love eddie jones as well I just um, he's had a fantastic career. I've read his book several times, mm-hmm. uh, and I, what I what I think is fascinating now is that um, do you know what he does for um, downtime for his holidays? He goes over to Japan to coach. <laughs> do you know where? Like so, that man just <laughs> loves coaching, right? And so his wife's from Japan and his mother's from Japan. But for his three to six weeks holidays a year, he goes back to coach um, club a club team that he he knows well in Japan, right? For a hobby, you know, because he just loves. Co- coaching and and you know so you know like I, I love stories like that and i love listening to him and um he he he's um i'm not sure if i can say it on a podcast but he he comes across as a as a see you next tuesday yes right? but he loves that yeah as um like people kind of um sort of they, they don't know what to make of him you know or a little <laughs> bit standoffish of him right and, and he plays on that and, and you know, but deep down, he, he's a very well-read man, and and he's always looking for new ideas and coaching. You know, mm-hmm. and apparently, right, and I, I I'd love to do it. Apparently, he's very approachable. You can send him an email, and and if you make an impression on me, he'll invite you over to watch England sure. train. You know, so sure. I might do that one day. Sure, why not? Um, Stuart Lancaster as well is very um, you know, popular amongst coaches yeah. as well. Colin, isn't he? He's 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 one as well. The people I think has more mentality though, isn't it? People look to leadership uh, yeah he, he shares a lot of information he shares a lot of information too you know he's very very um very very um uh, accommodating that way and I've, I've been in a few talks to him i was on a, um, a small talk with him um, a while back there it was only 30 people and we got really up close to him and you know to hear some of the stories and it's, it's really really good but he he wants to learn too and and that's the key to all these guys and um, john is like yeah. they want to learn too you know and you know they see an opportunity to learn everywhere and um you know and if you have that sort of mindset then then your player is going to respond to that because they they'll approach you with ideas they'll make suggestions like i do, i just say to the lads sometimes like you know better you know yeah. you're out there you know like i'm not i'm only telling you what i a few ideas but you know better like mm-hmm. You know, and, and that takes a while to um for them to actually say, Do you know what, he's not just saying that, he means it. You're yeah. yeah. What about the activities then? What sports would you take activities from? Um, you know, you see a lot of soccer drill, I was going to say drills are coming, sorry. Mm. Activities not on the, <laughs> on YouTube and that. Um, you know, you yeah. don't see as much uh, rugby as well, you know, as well, well documented. As you said, you don't see too many um, GA teams putting up their activities or no. what they're doing um no. currently you know it's always a couple of years behind you know this is what we've done in, in yeah, 2018 yeah. so where do you get your inspiration that way from well look I, i'd be always looking for, for new ideas not not necessarily new 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 activities right but but new ideas and, and, and little bits that you can add to it right one of the, a couple of areas that, a couple of rabbit holes i'm going down at the minute now is ice hockey Right, ice hockey is tremendous because um, it's so fast, and um, you can have you can go from having no space to lots of space within seconds. Mm-hmm. Right, so the decision making of that is fantastic. So there's lots and lots of um, great um, ice hockey um, coaching activities on um, on YouTube. I'm also looking at things like uh, Olympic handball and netball. Right, purely 
from um, hands and point of view because like I mean Air Force touches our hands right? I'm a really really big believer in that right Air Force touches the hands and even Eddie Jones talks about this thing called um, an early catch where instead of waiting for the ball to come to you you're reaching and putting your hands to it I, I we went down the road where we bought um, these basketball mitts we got them from America last year where they're little um, balls that kind of with a strap that sits on the palm of your hand and it makes it more difficult for you to catch the ball. Now, um, Joe Smith, actually, I was in his company once when we were talking about them, and he said to me, um, which I was a bit, I was a bit starstruck, so I, I didn't really answer it properly. But he said to me, um, he said to me, um, do you not find that the players are reaching for the ball with them? And I didn't really know how to answer it. And it's only when I was going home in the car, I was saying to myself, why didn't I say that to him? That's kind of what I want. <laughs> Do you know, I want them to, I, I, I want them to put the hands out towards the ball, right? So again, I, I think in Gaelic football, like your first touch is your hands. Mm -hmm. And if you can get an early touch, right, like, uh, and, and don't bring it into your chest, keep it out in front of you, you know, and be, have strong hands and you can protect it. It just opens a little bit more avenues to you, you know? So again, we're exploring a lot of that. And that's where netball and all them comes in. They work an awful lot on, on, on handling and touch and then pivoting with your feet. And, you know, we have a saying that we say to the lads, got to be where your feet are. You know, so um, if you get good footwork for tackling and you're right there where your feet are in terms of getting proper contacts on, on your opponent and tackling the ball only and proper tackling, like a lot of teams are working on traps and things like that now. But so frustrating when you get your trap set up and you have two or three fellas and you're blown up for free because someone put a hand on the back. And that's very, very annoying. That is, you know, yeah. so again, he wasn't where his feet were. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're, you know, little things like that. So you pick up an awful lot of them things in, in, in them sports. So I'd be looking at ice hockey, uh, Olympic handball and netball. That's where I am at the minute. Class, class. I seen that, um, I don't know how um, old the article was, but you were saying about rotating the forwards, um, you know, not having a set positions for the six forwards. I'm just wondering, is that still something you're pursuing or do you, is, it, is, it, is it still viable? Well, I, I tell you, like, what that was, like, that came from um, myself and um, the, the, the other great mead coach, Sean Kelly. And we, we used to do um, a, an award to uh, workshop called Systems of Play. And what we were doing is we were kind of um, highlighting different systems of play that's out there. So that was one of the ones we used. And that was from um, my club team, Newtown Blues, when they were under 14s and we were coaching them. And what we did at that time, right, we, we were introducing them to a game plan. And the game plan was quite simply for 10 minutes in each half that after every attack that we had, um, that we had to rotate um, in sort of a clockwise uh, position, right? And it used to cause mayhem because at that stage, all kids are growing differently. So you could have a fella that's nearly five foot 10, marking a fella that's five foot nothing, okay? And normally what happens in that, in that level of football, you put big on big or small on small, but because they were rotating, we were exploiting these positions for a little while, you know, and it used to cause mayhem. But um, the players, like it was, it's, it, I, I would call it an entry level and um, sort of um, game plan or system of play. But what, what the coaching behind it was to open the minds to future game plans, if you yes. get me. So um, the players there would be saying, right, um, we know that certain game plans work, so they're more kind of receptive. And we, we would always throw, um, we would always give them a choice. We would always let them call it themselves. I'll give you a good um, example. And we'd use that a lot. And we got to the under 16 championship final and we were using it and we were playing in the dock and the bus broke down. So um, there was mayhem. I had to drive down and we packed kids in the cars and that. So we got, we got no warm up. And we were out on the pitch. And after two or three minutes, the guy that we named full forward was out in the left wing. 
and um, the, one of my, my fellow coaches said to me, did you switch that column? I said, no, I didn't switch it. So I was running around in and I said, Kieran, I said, um, what are you doing out there? He said, oh, we're just doing our move column. I forgot about it. And plainly, but they didn't, you know. So um, that just shows you the power that, like, of, of young people. They want them ideas. Young kids, yeah. they want them ideas. Like we had plainly forgot because of the bus breaking down. The players didn't, you know. So I always, I learned from that. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. You learn from everywhere. Class, class. It just shows you maybe uh, coaching's overrated during game day. I don't Do you know, know something. <laughs> Look, it is like you know we, we were talking and um, like even even it's very different now, right? Because. You've no dressing room. You're out in the stand, right? Um, it's it's even relaying messages. It's it's just so strange, right? And where if you had a tactics board and things like that. Now, if you if you brought a tactics board out, I think it look a little people. You know, you look like you're um, you're, you're not organised or anything like that because the coaching should be done before that, really. But you know, but you know, you'd have all that stuff in the dressing room. But now outside, you don't have anything, anything like that now. You know. Are you are you wary of the the cameras and microphones maybe picking stuff up as well, or is that? Or is it just gone? Well, you know what, what, what you are, but like if you, if you are a team, like again, um, a lot of teams communicate differently. They communicate visually and they communicate verbally and and, and whatnot. But you can hear all calls. You can hear um, the opponents' calls, like um, war and this, that, and the other, and you can kind of get a sense of what they're trying to do. And like we, we probably wouldn't hear them in, in, in a packed park, Talton or Crow mm-hmm. Park. You know, you wouldn't hear them calls. But certainly in an empty Parnell Park or um, um, or, or in Dungani, you can hear everybody. You can even hear what the boys are saying about you. <laughs> <laughs> do you see the the way it seems to be more brought in um, at top level now, coach as well. The the um the calls come as you said they're like for every kick out there's a there's a call for something even even during the game there's a call is do you think that's you know the momentum swing as you were, were saying as well you know is there a call for that like you know is it opened your eyes as well the yeah. different things yeah well well i do think right i i do think um i do think also that a lot of team have false calls um they're shouting things that mean nothing <laughs> right and uh, i've noticed that a lot um, and and we probably try to do that ourselves but one thing i i know right is is if, if you get a team communicating between themselves right um the more of a chance to play a little bit more close up to the flow because if you're communicating loudly um you're, you're kind of you're playing in the moment you know you're not dwelling on anything you're passing on information of what's coming next and what's what, what we're trying to do so it keeps you kind of in the moment so I'd be a big fan of that if you could. Like I mean, like a lot of you, you want um, you want teams passing on messages as much as possible, right? And it just to me, it's communication, and I think that's very, very important. Like, and and, and I think it, it's not necessarily what they're communicating; it's just that they are communicating because it keeps teams kind of clued in and switched off, you know. Because at at at, at county level, the biggest thing I see is is is, is the um, sort of mental aspect of it, of the concentration, the staying in the now, you know, that sort of stuff, and not letting mistakes affect you. That's very, very evident there because mm. you look, all these guys can play. I keep saying this, John, like, I mean, show me one bad intercounty folklore. Like, there's, yeah. there's not, they can all play, right? The difference is mentally, you know, and, and, and what I mean by mentally is some fella might just switch off for five seconds and that might be all he needs for to concede a point or a goal. Mm-hmm. And then he's thinking about that and then he's out for another few minutes and that's so, you know, it, that's, that's massive. So if somebody's kind of passing on information to you, you know, you haven't time to, sort of wallow in that mistake you know you say well, i know i know what's coming i have to be ready for this you know so i'm a big fan of that if, if you could get it mm-hmm. is there any tactic that you've seen recently that you thought geez i'm, I'm going to copy that or not copy but they're going to use that and put me on spend it 
Yeah, well, I, 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 I copy, I copy everything. Uh, I don't mind saying that. Like, you have to be, as they, as they say, a magpie coach. Mm-hmm. You have to, like, but, like, if we were to try to do, say, let's say, sometimes what Donegal do, like, um, an awful lot what Donegal do, and um, pivots around Michael Murphy. So, you know, it's very hard to replicate some of them things. But, for instance, their, their kick-out that they have where, where he taps it down for, for Ryan McHugh to run into, mm-hmm. um, it's a fantastic kick-out. Um, I think they tried it a couple of times again. Tyrone there, but Tyrone might have been just a little bit. I like the way um, Tyrone um, swap, um, well, when he's playing Peter Hart and um, Matty um, Donnelly. Oh, what's his name there? Where, where Matty Donnelly. From halfback. Matt, Matty Donnelly swapped from halfback to half. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I like that. I think that's, you know, but then you'd have to have two very player, you know, similar players yeah. that can play half forward and half back. Little things like that, you know, but I, I just think that's all that stuff is very, very smart. And I'd be a big fan of that. Again, Dublin have load, load of tactics. Like you can see, um, like Dublin um, packing their defence, getting everyone behind the ball and um, the way um, Dean Rock positions himself not inside the full forward line, out around the D and just has to swing his left foot and right foot to it. But again, like that's a definite tactic. You can see Monaghan do something similar, but you would have to have a player the caliber of Conor McManus or Dean Rock to do that. Yeah. So again, I'd love to look getting ideas from them from teams, but again, they might not suit your um, you know, the, the, the players that you have. But certainly the ideas of it is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um as tactics then come so when did you when did you see the first real explosion in the in the tactic this tactical warfare that we're having? I know, like the Donegal Jim McGuinness um, era, then Dublin with their basketball setup. But now, what 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 way would you say it's it's, it's gone now? Well, I would always um I sort of class modern football from two thousand and ten, so that would coincide with with them guys right, and and, and they were great like. Pat Gilroy, Jim McGinnis, great coaches, fellas who really uh, were studious about the games uh, and, and come up with a lot of ideas. Like, like I stand corrected in this, but I think Dublin, a lot of Dublin's influence is soccer-based rather than um, basketball-based. I, they had Lisa Fallon, um, who's over coaching in the UK now, um, in with them for the last couple of years. And I know it was about their out-to-in runs and things like that, um, and the hand-passing over the top like their balls, their, their treaded soccer balls and things like that. Mm-hmm. I also think about their drift defence as rugby-based, with the last man being Philly McMahon or um, whatever, calling the defence to drift um, at angles and things like that. So I, I, I think they were quite happy to pedal the basketball um, thing outside where secretly they were working on, on other setups. But again, that's the beauty of our game. We, we, we can kind of rob a little bit from everybody, you know. So I think Dublin were very, very... Um, they, they are to the cutting edge of, of tactics and ahead of tactics. But what, what, what always amazes me about them is that they seem to always make the correct decisions at the right times, the players do on the field. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's shows huge leadership. I think they have a few fellas on the team that's really, really crucial to how they perform. Not necessarily performance, but going back to what I said to you earlier on, communication. They're key to um, organising their team and knowing when to go, knowing when to stay, knowing when to um, tactically fail, knowing when to, you know, and, and that there's a couple of them there. Like, I mean, if you look closely to um, Brian Fenton, who's a top, top class player, like um, he doesn't really be back pulling balls under the crossbar or really making last ditch tackles. He's always on the, the um, periphery of the counterattack where he can inject that fabulous pace he has and take his long range points. You know, so there's an awful lot of tactical things that they do that's not really. Look, the, the, the guys that are analyzing the game, 
probably aren't analyzing it properly you know they're telling you about this that and you and that's not what's really happening do you know so again that that like so it's that's going back to one of your earlier questions about playing division one when when you sit in the sideline and watch these top teams you kind of get to see the big picture of what they're doing and that and that's fantastic that is you know now it's a credit to all like i go to james horn all right um as i said yet yeah, and declan bonner and Mickey Hart, fantastic coaches and fantastic setups that are asking you questions that you know you you're finding it difficult to answer so that goes back to your training that if you can create scenarios right that players have teams have to solve themselves it's, I'm not saying it gets them ready, but it, it kind of prepares them for what they're going to face these teams because they're not going to be predictable in what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a like how much you know, uh, information you need now to be at inter-county level. You know, how, how long do you think it is before you get it right? You know, from, from the, the day you walk through the door to you implementing your, your plan? Well, that's really that's a that's really um good too, right? Because um it, it's good to, to hear you asking that because it takes a long time, right? And and like if if you have it, I, I think it takes about two or three years really mm-hmm. for you to embed and to get a team tactically astute. And what I mean by tactically astute is means that like they're giving you high performance all the time. And what high performance is 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 the one percent of the one percent and sticking to it, right? And so. You won't see that every week improving, right? And again, if you're a, if you're a supporter and um, whatever, you're you're looking at everything in results. You're not seeing the one percent of the one percent improvement, right? And again, players mightn't see that either, unless you know your training is geared towards and they're really feeling that yeah, look, we're being prepared for this all the time, you know. So um, it takes a long time, and like some of the best, I, I don't really like talking about successes or things like that. But some of the best successes I had was with my own club, and basically, when I look back on it, was the answer was staring me in the face. Like, I spent ten or twelve years coaching the majority of these players, from seven years of age up to um they they recently they won three senior championships in the row. Now I'm not saying that's anything to do with me, but I'm saying is I spent ten or twelve years with them coaching them twice a week left foot right foot left foot right foot right and um, again you were under no pressure there because it's your club like nobody's going to get rid of you there in your club you know what I mean? <laughs> and like most clubs you're there because nobody else wants to do it you know or you have a son playing so like that's where where we're different in, in the ga such so again it takes a long time but what happens really is is, is people get spooked right and a few bad results go and this that and the other and they say i have changed that man or get a new man in and things like that you know mm-hmm. but that's where the stronger counties like you take for instance dublin again right and um, like it, it's been a seamless transition like they're going to desi farrell here now you know like and and they're doing it right i always believe that counties should have their own man managing them now you can hire in let's say expertise but Andy McEntee is a mead man through and through right he stands for what mead is, is right so he has to head up in my eyes, the mead team, same way with a loud man has to head up what's allowed, a down man has to head it down. Now you can bring in coaches and SNC fellas from everywhere, but that way, right, you have that continuity and you might get a chance where he gets a chance to put them three or four years in, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what I really think in, is needed, John, myself, you know. Yeah, no, I can see what, <clears throat> I can see why, Colin, definitely. Um, you know, it's amazing too, like underage, you know the, the pride you get as well whenever you do get a bit, bit of success that's even at minor levels at mm. senior level too isn't it it's 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 just it's something else 
Oh, it, it is like you know, like I, I can remember, like 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 when we had them at under seven the rates, we'd always we had a few little um, we had a few little how to put it um things that we wanted to follow through every year. Like one of the things we did was with correct permission and everything, we'd video we'd video a match every year. So we we've had matches from them to eight years of age all the way up to twenties. We'd bring them on a trip every year. We'd always bring them to Crow Park and things like that, right? And I remember in training, right? I remember Alan Brogan in a Lancer final hand passed the ball over someone's head and collected it when it bounced. Right. And when we were training Tuesday night, all the kids were trying that out. Now there's your, the best coaches, the best coaching sessions are games, really are. And, yeah. and they see that. Like I didn't see that. And I was that I remember saying, Where did you learn that? And so oh, Alan Brogan did it through the day, you know. So the, their successes, like that's what we're, our job is, like is yeah. to kind of expose them to the grades of the game, game and see can we inspire them because what that's what inspiration is, is breathing life into them. And um, if, if a hand pass or a, or, or a gooch um, hop or someone a great score, so you see, like that, that's the best um, inspiration that these young kids need. Do you know? What's what's your um, thinking then, come with, um, you know, with having a coaching officer then and having the same sort of style or same sort of coaching system the whole way through um, clubs? Yeah, I, I would I, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, like for instance, t- talk about county for a moment. Um, like, would it be fair to say Down have a um, a perceived style of football? Like, I mean, when I think of Down, I think of um, you know really stylish players, mm-hmm. pacey footballers, right? Um, expansive football. I'd always look at at Down like that, and I think that's the way Down play. So again, you would imagine that um, all the Down teams would have that sort of swagger or be coached with that swagger where sort of a little bit of creativity would be encouraged, you know? Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying to all the, the me players since I came in, you have to have a trick. You have to have a trick, right? And um, <laughs> some of them, like, a lot of them have a trick, but I'm a big believer in too in this, John, right? Is that um, if you don't have a trick at 28, you can still get one. Right. You can still work on one, you know, and um, like it does, just because you're 28 and you don't have a dummy soul or that doesn't mean that you, you won't get one. It's about you applying and practicing it, find the time. Like if you're just doing um, what, what the coach asked you on the Tuesday and Thursday, uh, playing county, it's not enough. You have to be added a couple of days a week on your own. And why not work on that trick on your own? And I'm telling you, like, like the amount of fellas that ha, ha, are now working on that and trying to find a trick. So, you know, like, you know, that would be kind of... Um, you would say that to all the um, kids, you know, if you're a coaching officer, you'd be asking your coaches maybe to say, encourage them to find a trick, encourage t- mm-hmm. things like that. So little things like that. If like my club, like, um, again, we would like to think we play sort of expansive football, hard running football. And so we would try to get our teams playing something similar to that, given goals. Like for instance, you've heard all the stories about Kerry suspending touches um, at young ages with the whole purpose of getting their heads up. You know, like I'd be a big believer in things like that. And that's why you do things like that in training where you say to them, um, no touches for the first five or 10 minutes, simply because you want the head up or the ball move between three and five seconds, simply because you, you want, it's not because you're not interested in working on the rest of the skills. It's because the most important skill is to get the head up and scan. So again, that's the, I would believe in a coaching officer or, or a head of coaching, I'd call them principles. So you have to make sure that all your teams have them principles. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's very hard to go in to tell a coach, I want you to play this way or that way. Yeah. But you should certainly say, I want you to kind of develop as many players who can lift their head first, Do you know? And that that's measurable, you know, like that's very, very measurable. Yeah, because just as you're saying there, <clears throat> I never got it because, you know, when people says, oh, we have the same coaches or we have, we play the same way all the way through. Basically, how can you play the like <laughs> like the under twelves under fourteen? Yeah. You only have the same players like as the senior team. Like it's it's impossible. But as you said, it's it, maybe they have 
maybe it's a roundabout way of saying the five principles from each each age group. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you, you take Cross McLean. I remember reading about them at the time, and 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 they liked a lot of um, long kicking. You know, so come I mean, you, you can do a lot of long kicking in, in your training games with under twelve years of age. Like you could kind of that. You know, you could you just lots of games. Like like I mean, you were talking to me earlier on about um, or mentioned about um, go to games and activities. Like one of my go to games, it was in the first book. There is I call it the um, the wall pass game, right? And I, I can tell you now, I don't mind saying it. One night I was sitting down in Oriel Park, freezing cold. Um, one of my, my sons was on an emerging talent program and they were training there and there's a dog senior team was training that pitch and Stephen Kenny was training them and he played this game for about 30 minutes and what it was was he just had um, a large square and in the middle of each line of the square he had um, a static player who acted as a wall so the team in possession had four extra players to play to and he just kicked it to them the ball came back and I said to myself I'm going to try that and what I done with that was that's as I said to you, I was changing my um, outlook in games in that um, I went away from lines, kicking straight lines. Mm-hmm. And that's where we do all our skills now, through a game like that. So you have your passing, your catching, your kicking, your hand passing, but it's in game movement. So you've left foot pass and right foot pass and you're scanning. So when I want that intense, I don't let any of the players have a touch. So it has to be moved. So you keep possession and when you get a chance, you kick long to a wall. It encourages second and third runs. It, it's everything you want in the game, but I call it um, our skills. We're practicing our skills, mm-hmm. you know, rather than yeah. just lions kicking up and down. We're practicing our <laughs> skills, you know, and you get everything: punt kicking, hook kicking. So again, that that would be a go-to mind. So I I think you get an awful lot of principles in that and things like that. What are your go-to? If you were going in as a coaching seminar and that, um, you know, what's for defense forwards, midfielders, you know, and what would you what would you go to then? Well, well, okay. Um, I probably wouldn't have like straight straight up. I probably wouldn't have go to. But what I would have is I would have go to um activities. So, for instance, mm-hmm. um, no training session without shooting, right? Goals and points, right? No training session. So, for instance, let's say this week when we we're playing Monaghan, right? We will shoot for goals and points, but they'll be unopposed. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they're unopposed is you don't want to get an injury. <laughs> you know? Okay. So that's that's that that. But every night training, and then every night tackling. Right. has to be tackling now again what i've learned there right is is there's no point in running tackling exercise unless you're actually coaching them where you're spotting and fixing or spotting and acting mm-hmm. like so for instance you do an awful lot of work on on your foot footwork right your contact with your hands where your hands go and um, i'd be always badgering referees the referees that i know saying right and um, how what would you blow up I showed them videos of clips and training that. Would you blow that up? Would you do that? Right. And try to get that information. So they'd be my two go-to things nearly in every session. That there'd have to be an element of tackling and definitely there has to be an element of scoring every night. Mm-hmm. You know, and do you know something? Um, players love shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> when they're every night, they're, they they love that, you know. And, yeah. You know, but but look, again, you get good at what you do, right? If 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 you run around the field, you get good at running around the field. You know, yeah. If you do a lot of tackling, you'd hopefully get good at tackling. You know, that's I, a simple uh, motto that I have. You know, yeah, I was um, playing on a team, and um, our big thing was uh, the manager or coach didn't blow for free kicks. And my thing was, sure, if we're not blowing right. for free kicks, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen on a Friday night whenever we're playing? You know, it's <laughs> the boys, yeah, boys were murdered, yeah, murdered in yeah. opposition. Just with the the footwork, how did you come about then thinking? 
you know, this is the right stance to do. Like, was there any other, like, was it boxing stance or anything like that there that, you're, that, you know, or was it, where'd you get that from? Well, well definitely, like, again, an awful lot. This we just accumulated, right, again. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I like, um, I think boxing has an awful lot of um, similarities in footwork to Gaelic football because you're moving your hands and your feet kind of at, at similar times, right? So we want that. Um, I think, right, an awful lot of, um, like as I mentioned earlier on, be where your feet are. Like I think, um, like I, I try to paint pictures when I'm coaching. Particularly, and this might have come from coaching kids. So if you say to a, um, a group of kids, stand on your balls, your feet, you get lots of giggles and things like that. They don't even know where the balls and feet are. But if you say to them, stand on your second row of studs, right? You're putting a clearer picture into the head. And if you can say, put one foot in front of the other, right, and all this sort of stuff, right? So you're painting the picture. But, um, it's about breaking it down. Right. And again, what happens when you lead with this foot when he's running this direction? Okay. How you line the fellow up? There's a couple of different things. Like you've got um, facing and chasing tackling. So if I'm facing you, I need to stand differently. If I'm chasing you, I need to stand differently. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, if I'm chasing you nine times out of 10, the ball, my hand goes around your neck from behind, you know. So, you know, you have to really, you can't just run a coach or a, a tackling exercise without breaking that down and saying, we don't need any hands in there. Or the way, the best way to do it is. You know, let them make the mistake and ask them now, what did you do there? You know, mm-hmm. and creative questioning, right? Because that way it sticks. You know, what would you do differently? Like, why did I stop it? And you know, what did he do when you did that? Like, oh, that's that's the way you have to coach them. Right? And then eventually, like you'd be hoping that when fellas get up to speed, right? What you need to do then, John, which is the hard part, is is put him in an environment where where he's going to be tested to think correctly under pressure, because they can all do it in the lions and and, and in, in training games mm-hmm. and things like that. But your training has to have a, um, a sort of an edge to it that's going to be tougher to a game for the skills to stick then, you know. So one of the things to do there would be to get him really, really fatigued before you have him chasing the player and things like that and see, can he stick to the principles of proper tackling? So we do an awful lot of work on that. Like, And again, to do that, right, is if you can imagine, um, like all that's a massive jigsaw and it's putting all them pieces together. So you might be doing that over a couple of nights. You might be doing your first bit on kind of, you know, your footwork, your first bit on where to put the hands, first bit on the contacts. And then you have to put him, take him out of his comfort zone and get him really, really tired. See, can he continue to do it right? You know, and if he's not, then maybe you have to go back then a couple of stages and keep at the other bits, you know, and that takes a lot of time. And sometimes you're doing all that in training. Players don't even know you're doing it. You know, they don't even know why you're doing that. Like, they don't even know that you're layering on all the time, you know, and that you haven't progressed to that, you know. And, and, and it's important to explain, that, like, to them, listen, lads, this is why we're doing it. We're adding all the time, you know. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Whenever, do you explain every single activity you're doing or, you know, you're one of the frontiers for the small-sided games as well, um, Colm, and, and there's been a shift in, in, in GA with more people looking for training sessions with small-sided games. Um, do you know? Do you explain and, and develop your training? Do you know? Say Andy's not happy with something that that happened the week before. Do you know? Is, yeah. Is that... Yeah. Like, there's a couple of things in that, right? Sometimes, right, you have to be what's called a proactive spectator, right? And uh, you can talk too much. So again, sometimes I I could I would say to the fellas in advance, right, um, via um, WhatsApp or whatever. Tonight is um, is going to be a lot of stop start. 
right tonight is an awful lot like so they're prepared for that just like as i said you we're having a low rpe yeah. you're, you're, you're informing them that tonight now that would become to your tactical periodization that would be built into a night where you don't need to be really hitting any um, high numbers in yeah. your in your in your gps so it allows you that and and again players are aware of that but there's nothing worse than over coaching and uh, like so sometimes you're, you're better off being a proactive um sort of coach and leave some of the stuff for what i call classroom coaching so, you know, you know, you spotted a few things that you're right. I, I have to speak to John about that. I leave that laugh trying to rat it and stop it. And then you can go and you can maybe walk and off the pitch and say, do you remember when you um, went into number four and blah, blah, and you did this? You know, do you think that was the right thing? That sort of stuff, rather than right. stopping that, right? Because if yeah. you do that, like you're going over and over again. So one of the things that, that, that we like to do is, as fellas know, is we record all the training sessions. And um, so I'd like to look back at them at times and there's things then that I would have missed during the game, during the training session that I'd see again. Like um, like when you're doing um, sort of uh, um, unopposed work, right? You have a tendency where fellas kind of slow down completely to make sure that their technique is, is, is immaculate. And I'd be at them saying, don't slow down. You know, nobody on you, right? So there's no reason for you to slow down. Make the mistake, because that's where the learning is, by you making the mistake, right? Where you're unbalanced when you kick, how was your support and foot, all that sort of stuff. But if you slow down, you won't do that in the game. Yeah. You know, so again, like, I mean, the, 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 there's key things to that. So, so, you know, you have to explain to fellas why you're doing that, like why you're putting them under pressure in terms of speed to do it to execute it as quick as you can right even though there's nobody on you like stuff like that and and, and you're putting demands on them like you're trying that you're trying to get them out of the comfort zone because that's where the learning is once they get out of that you know mm -hmm. first class first class um what's your pet hate in in coaching calm and do you know what is in your opinion uh what makes a good coach as well well um well, as i said my pet hate would be really like watching particularly younger teams doing exercises without the football you know I, I just um i just can't i can't understand this and and i i hate and i get i'd never i'd never open my mouth it's not my business but i hate when people <laughs> say they're not fit enough um, especially young kids they're not fit enough we're going to have to do an extra lot of running with these like and like i mean fair enough they, that might be an, an object um sort of um observation that they're not fit enough but yeah conditioning with a ball you know, you can certainly, like, you can do lots of different activities that you're going to be making them running harder. You can do um, fart leg running. You can do speed endurance with a football. Mm. You know, there's lots of ways of doing it. Like if that's, if that's, if, but, you know, and that way, you know, you're, you're tricking them in and you're getting, you're getting, you're getting them, um, you know, always got a ball in the hand. They're always learning something. Um, a good coach is, look, I think we're we're a community-based organisation, and we can't we can't get away from that. So anybody that wants to give their time is always very very welcome. And lots of people have different um, traits. I think the biggest trait um, a good coach has to have is, in my eyes, it has to be able to build rapport with the players. Um, again, if you affect the person, you affect the performance, and and that's getting to know the people. Like I I think. Um, and I've heard lots of people say it. I've heard Peter Canavan say, like, um, you'll always remember how a coach made you feel, not what he told you. And I believe in that, really. Like, I mean, so I, I think that's the first thing. I think, like, we're 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 in a in a great position where you're not really going to you're not really judging results, particular coaching clubs, your own clubs, and underage players, and that you're not being paid to do it. Like, people are very very um, generous with their time. So if, if you're kind of have a good way about you, you're making an impact with your players, players enjoy you. And the best way to tell that is if they keep turning up or training. 
right? That's 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 the best feedback you can get. So I think that's the first thing I'd always look for in a good coach. Are they, are they getting along with the team? Do the team like them? Is he building rapport? That sort of stuff. Because then 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 they become open minded. Then and then you know there's there's great, lots of lots of areas there where they're they're willing to learn. Then you know. How would you, um, if a manager turned around and you didn't believe with his playing style, would you still go as a coach with him, or would you try and adapt? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that's a good question too. Because, like, no, I tell you, um, like, I, I would, I, I, I don't really mind that. I think that'd be a challenge to me, right? Okay, so if if you went into um, a man with a manager who wanted to play ultra defensive, um, I'd have to say to myself, right, I haven't really, um. I really coach a lot of this, but um, it'd be a new challenge to me, you know. So I'd give it a go, like, and, and see what I do. I'm not saying I'd be able to do it, but it'd be a new challenge because that, that's what coaching is, right? And, and and I'm a big believer, right, of the sort of chain of command and such. Like, I mean, there has to be a manager, uh, and and he, he, at the end of the day, he's the one that has to go to bed at night and say, I should have stuck to that, I should have stuck to that, you know. <laughs> we're there to support him, right? Um, but we're also there, in my eyes, like, when you're standing on the like I, I've been there before but when you're standing on the sideline and somebody comes over and whispers to you we're in trouble at number three you kind of know you're in trouble at number three like what you want someone to say would you not do such and such put such and such back at three you know so you're there I think to challenge the, the manager but ultimately you're there to support him too so I, I would um, you know like a couple of things there like I mean I, I um, we have a laugh there like the choice of language people use is very very much um um, it's, it's just very much it paints pictures and it puts bad um, sort of images in your head like for instance the lazy player right I always say to the lads you know people say your man's very lazy I, I always say he's not lazy he just has selective participation <laughs> and what I mean by that is right is we all have a corner forward who doesn't want to chase back right mm -hmm. and um, like in training he's the last round of the laps and he gets perceived as being lazy but that's selective participation. I know, I know it's not right, but he, he's saying this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go back there. But he has lots of other traits. So he's been he's been kind of pinned as lazy, right? Where you have to kind of get away and say, right, okay, I, I make a deal with these fellas, and I say to them, right, if that's your, I'm just using that, that as an example, mm -hmm. um, the corner forward. I said, you need to be help side when we don't have the ball. And he says, what does that mean? I said, well, you need to be air side um, in front of your man. Now, if that means up in your area, you keep him there. Job done. You know, but if he goes, you've got to be help side, which is their side of the pitch, right? So then what you're doing is <laughs> your man is saying, this fella's not getting up the field, right? So he's stopping him there. So he doesn't have to do the chasing. But you met, you, you created a kind of, you made a deal with him, you know what I mean? So that's coaching, right? That's kind of, whether, rather than um, writing him off as a lazy player, you know, yeah. who gets the bent finger, you know, and gets taken off then, you know, he's, you know you're working on something with him. <laughs> that's, that's very true. What would you do if you didn't, um, believe in what the manager was doing. Come either, as you said, team selection or anything like that. There, um, don't know. Has there any been ever in the past been any instances where you've you've said no? That's as you're totally wrong or anything like that. And I, I would never say you're totally wrong. I, I would kind of um, say like I don't agree with that, <laughs> right? But if I if I don't if I don't agree with him, I would have to have um, facts as to yeah. why I didn't agree with him. You know that sort of stuff. Now, um, again. Like it, it, when we sit down, there's four of us that pick the team, and five of us started to pick the team, and very seldom we all pick the same team. Mm -hmm. Do you know? And, and and that's good. Like you know, and there's always kind of like like there's I, I, I don't mind saying this, but I mean I've been on the sideline there, and someone would say to me, "Jeez, Dan, five staff scoring three points." 
Jeez, I didn't know it was that, you know, <laughs> like we all have blind spots and, and things like that. So, you know, you, you make, uh, it's very hard, we make fairly general presumptions, you know, so again, I, I try to have fact-based things. So, I mean, when, when a team is picked or if, if somebody wants, if I don't disagree, if I don't agree with, say, who wants to go into the full forward line or the, ha or the half-back line, I have to try to base it on facts. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'd have to kind of have to say, well, listen, this is why I don't think he should be in because I A, B or C, you know, that sort of stuff and, mm -hmm. and argue from that way. And rather than just making it personalities wise, like, yeah, I just don't like it. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's any good. You have to have you have to have a couple of, um, I think, a fact based. I think once you're fact based, like people will argue facts over facts, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that way it's more sensible. You see, maybe as a, as a goalkeeper, then, you know, in a past life, that uh, you have um, you've been watching boys um, playing in front of you. You can see things um, maybe that other people can't. Do you think during a game that that's one of your strengths as well? That you know you you can maybe spot traits other teams are doing or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like I, I definitely uh, after playing goals for so long, it does give you a different um, perspective on the game. Like you, you can definitely see shapes. Um, and you can definitely see sort of um, sort of patterns, um, but I, I think you'd see them in your own team quicker, right? Because you're kind of more focused mm -hmm. on, on them. So you would see, like for instance, when um, there's no wit in your attack, you'd see when there's no um, when the team is pulling you out, and when when you're biting to what they're doing, things like that. You know. So again, <laughs> I think um, <coughs> that would be kind of certainly one of the areas where where I kind of would would, would watch a lot. It's difficult. I think um, I think what happens is. Now, when you're, we've all that much data on each other that when you're playing like some modern in Dublin and things like that, now, you'll, you'll sit down and watch hours and hours of videos of them and you come up with an assumption of they play this, that, the other. And we can overanalyze it and um, forget that an awful lot of this is off the cuff. Do you know, like it's it's bespoke, it's whatever happens on the day, ball might bounce this way or that way, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's important not to, excuse me, it's important, important not to get over sort of done on your analysis thinking like it, that is robotic because it's that and but. But certainly from, from, from a goalkeeper point of view, I think you can definitely notice patterns and traits of your own team quicker. And do you think, do you think just as you're saying there, Dublin and, and Monaghan and the likes, will every team have a trait that they've been trying, Colin, do you think, like going into championship football? Yeah, they do, they do. Like, um, and look, this, this is why I think this year is interesting because you'll, you'll revert to type You'll revert to what you know best and you'll revert to what you've been coached most. So um, a lot of the, the managers this year had, have probably lost out on time, like particularly the new managers um, mm -hmm. who wanted probably to make their mark. They probably haven't got the time they wanted. So you'll see a lot of teams, if you do get lucky enough to kind of um, put them on the edge, they'll revert to type. Now, Dublin have a lot of um, systems that they can revert to. Like um, Dublin are very, very, um, like they, they, they don't be... Um, they don't be sort of um, labelled it, but they are quite defensive. You know, they, they work an awful lot of hard around the middle third and they're constantly um, um, boxing off the middle channels not to concede goals and things like that, you know, and that's a definite tactic. And you can see that when you put a bit of pressure on them that they <coughs> they overload in them areas. Um, you know, again, I spoke about their attacking strategies where um, it's kind of out to in and getting the shooters on the outside of the ball there where, you know, they'll try to break you down for a goal and they sort of have a time frame. If they don't get within by within two, three, four or five seconds, ball's recycled very quick. And who's out there to slot it over the bar? You know, so you have an awful lot of them like that, that, that doesn't go away. And one thing I always mention about Dublin, right, again, probably talk a lot about them is everybody's a fair idea what they're going to do, John. You know, but they can't stop it because yeah. they're that good. 
you have a fair, fair idea. I think every team that sits down to anal analyze them come up with great strategies and they come up with great ways and they really try to really work out how to do it. It's very, very hard to still stop them because they're so good. The quality is so good. You know? <laughs> yeah, we have a, a dominant force in down as well in, in Kulku. And, yeah. you know, like it's, <laughs> it is like you can analyze them, analyze them, but you know, you know what they're going to do. It's just how, how, to, how to stop them as well. Is, yeah. It seems to be, yeah. the, be the problem. Um, Come. You know, your book, absolutely fantastic. And, and, you know, as I said, the small set of games sort of has taken coaching now um, from underage to seniors to, to a new level. You know, when did that first come in? And what's the next st stage do you think that, you know, Gaelic football coaching will, will take? Well, I think, um, like, I think, I think Mickey Whelan was involved in, um, I think it was DCU at the time doing a lot of studies uh, on on the sort of goal games and things like that. So he was a pioneer of that. But um, like an awful lot of people kind of misinterpret what what the what the small sided games are for, right? The small sided games are really for is to help develop the skills that are relevant to what's going to happen in games. Okay, so by having small sided games, you're getting more touches. You're executing. Um, the movements uh, and the skill patterns that are similar to the game, relevant to your age group. So it helps develop the, the, the skills and um, sort of that that you will use uh, more in the games. Where lions, straight lions, is is it, you know it's not developing the skills the way they're, they're meant to be used. And and if you do an awful lot of um, linear work, right? You, you know it, it it restricts your 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 improvement in games. So that's why that was what was brought in, right? But um, that that's at a very young age. But uh, you know what you cannot replace is, is, is coaching, right? Is when you're in amongst them and, and kind of asking them questions of why did you kick that ball now and what did you see, that sort of stuff. So that's the next phase, right? So what I think is happening more and more now is I think more and more of that type of coaching is coming in, particularly um, at club football underage, where you have an awful lot of strategies coming in. So you know you've you've got an awful lot of solution based coaching as I call it, where they're trying to um, work out scenarios like uh, pencil formation, full forward line, um, creating space left and right of that, um, width and your wingers, that sort of thing, 10 and 12. Um, like I, I really think now that it's not so much defensive football now, but it's a defensive middle third. So if you can imagine that middle third now, that, that at any time could have up to um, 18 players in it. Mm -hmm. you know and, and that's where the, the game is won now so I see I think it's kind of transferred from everyone behind the ball to around the middle toward is where the action is and again if you look enough to have ball winners that you can put um, out of that up front you have a great chance of kind of flooding that area then getting the ball in and flooding it like a little things like that so I think more strategies and solution based coaching is coming and I do think too that more and more coaches are playing the hand of dealt with and what I mean is is they're not copying and pasting someone's setup, they're adapting to what the players they have. Mm -hmm. You know, you might sound that say that's obvious, but it's not obvious because a lot of teams turn around and say, if they're trying to seven in the morning, we're trying to seven in the morning. This that computer, you know, where more and more people are looking at and saying, you know what, we have um, a strength here and we have strength there. Why not try to uh, manipulate this system and that system for that? So we do think, I think, um, I think an awful lot of um, coaching now is transferable. I think, I think. Um, you will see a lot of people that are coaching different codes, mixing around. You might get a rugby coach or a soccer coach coming in and being able to bring in certain ideas and systems from him to there. And mm -hmm. um, because Gaelic players now want that, I think, um, I think they, I think, you know, they're more adaptable to that and the more open-minded to, to being coached. You know. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, 
It's funny whenever you're saying about underage there and, and the the formations and that. I had a a fella to said to me he was with the senior setup there a couple of years ago and he he's oh, just went back down to the under 15s you know just just to relax. He says uh, I was talking to my the fella coach and he just says oh well, just it's going to be good just to enjoy the game again. And the next thing you know, he says there was moves, switches, everything that I got there. There was two sweepers, there was one sweeper. Yeah. He says my head, my head was wrecked. And this is under 15s, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's even coming in, like as you said, without them. <laughs> like it's it's amazing. Like even at that under 15s, under 13 level, like that's the level that that it's going to now. And I suppose, do you feel a bit of pressure too, Colin? And have you seen pressure on on coaches to be trying to come up with this new? fad you know trying to change their drills all the time and activities all the time and their games all the time mm. like i had a i had a, a one coach and we called him um he called him three drill because he only did the, the three drill <laughs> the three drills for the whole yeah, yeah. you know what i mean so like how do you feel about that i look um an awful lot of coaches um aren't brave enough to um to repetition like like repetition is massive in learning yeah. Right. So, you know, um, the, that's how it sticks. Right. Repetition, repetition, repetition. But what a lot of people, what, what, what people make mistakes is you could be um, repeating this, the wrong thing all the time. Right. So um, <laughs> I, I like to um, I do a lot of repetition, but I do it differently. If you understand me. So, for instance, if you're shooting, you could have 10 different shooting exercises. Right. But you're still shooting. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's how you get uh, like the pressure on the shooter and stuff like that. Right. Same way with um, if you're working on certain tactics, like again, I think it's gone like this, right? I think um, so. With the National Football League is brilliant. You move you, if you've if you've two weeks between the games, it's really good. So you should probably reflect on what you did well in the last match. And I think in training, this is only my opinion. You reinforce yeah. what you do well. So if there's certain elements of your game that you played and that you did well, you reinforce that by training them the next day. Then you have to do some prep on what you might be facing the next day. If there's anything that's sticking out, like for instance, if they have a big, big, strong full forward, it's obvious that you need to do some work on on, on that sort of stuff. And I think players want that now. So that's their kind of, you you know, you're getting all your stuff, you're getting your video links, you're getting all your um, data and your, your information on the players. So to do it in some sort of um, game fashion. Players want that now. And even if it's only a little bit, um, John, it just prepares the players of what might happen. You know, and, and again, I think by preparing them for what might happen, you're actually preparing them if something else happens as well. Do you know what I mean? You're bringing, if you understand me, like yeah. you're trying to get them to say, right, you're not going to go out here and just play a game of football. You're going to go out here and you're going to expect that they might throw a long man, a, a big man in the corner. They might uh, run the ball. They might do this, but you've got to spot that in real time and come up with a solution for it, you know? Yeah. So um, that's what, that's the way I like to do it and um, moving from match to match. And again, even like preparing for teams for championship, if a team is ultra defensive, right, you have to overload a team. And I've sometimes played 17 players and, and on the opposition and try to break it down and things like that and just really overemphasize what you may face in this game. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm standing there, right, with a ball in my hand and, and the team is trying to break that team. I just blow the whistle, give it to the opposition and see what you break. So the attacking team now has to set up the defense for us for a counter. Little things like that. And that's just keeping them on their toes and getting them to expect you and expect it, you know. So I think I think that's the way. I would kind of structure it when I call it in-season training. Um, always reinforce what you did well. Okay, again, I'm a big believer in, in, in the positives, but not positive for being for the sake of being positive. Yeah. Keep reinforce, especially if you have a game plan and, and it's gone quite well, reinforce it in the training. Okay, there's always a few areas that you weren't happy with. You can touch on them, and then you have to prepare for what you might face. 
brilliant, brilliant Colin. Colin, I, I could talk to you all night. I'm sorry for keeping for, sorry for keeping you. You've, no you've, work, you've worked in the morning, but um, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's just amazing to um to hear your thoughts and and you know to to see where Gaelic coaching is going. It's it's fantastic and it's you know it's in its infancy, as I said. You know, I, I believe mm-hmm. it's, it's just only going to be getting you know far more professional, not only not in monetary terms, but just in the setup as well. Oh, without doubt, yeah. You know, it's 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 fantastic. Like, and you know, just on on um, the upcoming championship, um, Dublin now are you know it's it's there's to lose. Um, everyone's you know sick of Dublin. Sorry to say it, winning it all the time <laughs> now. Uh, who is going to apart from me? Who's going to challenge them? And yeah. uh, and how are they going to challenge them? How do you, how do you beat this Dublin team? Well, uh, well, I take a couple of things too. I, I, um, I've no doubt that that they're the best and they're fair to lose, and 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 I enjoy watching them all the time. And I don't really mind if they win or don't win. What I mind is, um, I don't enjoy when they steamroll everybody. But we kind of um, feel a little bit that that was wasn't a good championship. But any championship that they've been challenged, like when Mayo were challenged them in Kerry last year, has been tremendous and very very enjoyable. I think Kerry will challenge them. I think Mayo will challenge them, and I think Donegal will challenge them. Um, I think, I think, uh, when when the sort of super eights and the new kind of um, sort of rules were brought in a couple of years ago, you, you had to beat Dublin twice to win the All Ireland, mm-hmm. which is very very difficult. Now you've only to beat them once, and I think that'll give all these teams a shot in the arm. Uh, like I think Donegal, a tremendous team, improving all the time. Um, Kerry um, got their tactics so right last year in the um, in in the first uh, in the first match. Um, and um, for without a bit of luck, they could have snatched it that day. Um, Mayo, I, I felt myself with Mayo now again, a big fan of Mayo, and I, and I felt that when James Horn came back in, they had decided they're rebuilding for a couple of years, and um, they always had a plan. Like I, I watched them even against us this year, they they were blooding new players, they were trying things here, and they were quite content to you know take a hit along the way. And I don't know if, if it was just a coincidence that, but like some of them players really stood up last week against mm-hmm. Galway. So you can see the game time they're getting and things like that. Like they, these lads have invested in them and um, they're giving them the confidence. So they could come again. Um, and so I think they're the three leading lights there. And um, Tyrone will be close as well. Um, he, he looked fabulous the other day. So I, I, I think they'll be. But um, I, I think the biggest thing, John, is that they know they need to beat them once. And they could do that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's anyone's, but it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Come on, I can't I can't wait for it. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, on certain times that we're living in, and, and it's brilliant that they, we are getting the sports. So it's it's fantastic. Um, Colin, I just can't thank you enough for for coming on tonight. Um, really, oh, I'll enjoy it. Um, hopefully, uh, we we'll get you on again whenever um meet when the when the championship and. Um, <laughs> if we get, and we'll see how you are and you know, best of luck um, in the upcoming weeks lovely thanks very much John cheers Colin thank you thank you right take it easy